0: Hello, I'm Margo Lieblik, and this is my podcast, What's for Dinner. You're tuning in to the very first episode, which is essentially an introduction to the entire podcast. I hope you enjoy. I am too foodie what hipster is to the word hipster. I first noticed the word start cropping up while I was in college. I suppose it's meant to indicate somebody who is especially interested in food and considers themselves an expert on the subject. Most times I hear this word in context, it's somebody telling their Tinder date that they love food so much they're like such a foodie. Which is in and of itself ridiculous because food is essential to human survival. Thus, humans love food, so human equals foodie. As this word gained popularity, to me, it also came to represent the demise of food and cooking as it succumbed to the traps of social media. Suddenly, my Facebook and soon-to-be Instagram feeds were coming to resemble my text history with my parents. Occasional life updates, grossly outnumbered by photos of my latest dinner creation and the occasional restaurant meal. Anybody who has interacted with my family will know I'm not kidding. Most of my world revolves around food and cooking. I love trying a new dish or cuisine and challenging myself to recreate something similar in my kitchen. I'm constantly thinking two meals ahead and actually get very excited about packing lunches for work during the week. And yet, as this foodie influence started expanding, I strained to make sure I didn't get too caught up with this craze. As it was developing, I actually started sharing my cooking less. I felt like something had to be really good to warrant sharing with anyone else who wasn't a housemate, and sometimes that meant you had to be literally stumbling into the kitchen at the time I pulled something out of the oven. But why did this word foodie bother me so much? I certainly fit the bill, and the tiny part of me that is still stuck in ninth grade was just begging for an excuse to flood my social media outlets with useless posts. But for a few really exciting meals and an affinity for Snapchat, I mostly held myself back. Because online, anybody could be a foodie. Just look at the hundreds of photos people post each day of their famous homemade guac or Pinterest-worthy cocktails. Except, of course, that photo you recently posted. That one was totally unique, worth sharing. Okay, I'll cut the bullshit. But let's explore an analogy. I think I started hating the foodie trend because my experience was similar to what a lot of us go through when watching our favorite sports teams. Think of yourself as the diehard fan whose friends only start cropping up just as their team makes the playoffs. Others think you're excited to have more fans around, and sure, some of them actually start feeling some real passion getting behind a team that's gaining traction. And you'll put up with them because now you have somebody to grab a beer with at the bar to watch the game. Bring back great memories, though. <laughs> no. But as you get closer to the series, the bar starts filling up, and suddenly it's packed. There's a dude trying to mansplain the rules to you, and what's more, the only seats at the bar are obstructed view. Yikes! Not my favorite scene. Having lived in Boston for the past six years of my life. Wait. Whoa. I've come to learn and appreciate one thing. There's nothing worse than a bandwagoner. Cooking was suddenly my Red Sox team circa 2004. When you've been with a team through thick and thin, the last thing you want to do is watch the game with a fair weather fan, or in my case, a newly crowned foodie. But not one to completely miss out on the fun, I started searching for a different outlet that would allow me to explore my creativity in relation to cooking. And, ideally, a way to share it without shoving it down the throats of friends who are just perusing their feed for Huffington Post articles and BuzzFeed quizzes. Peruse on, my friends. Peruse on. So after some initial torment surrounding the notion of creating something new and exposing myself, I eventually came to the idea of creating a podcast. In some months, in a USB microphone and a new hard drive later, here we are. To be honest, I'm not usually one to put myself out there and share something in earnest with the vast, endless internet, but consider this an experiment or an exploration. In an effort to create something a little more unique and a little more personal, it's my goal to use this venture to focus on experiences and sharing stories with others. Each episode will have a central theme relating to food or cooking, but the format will vary to include interviews, creative essays and whatever else seems appropriate for the idea at hand. Some of you might be here for the stories, some of you might be here for the recipes, and some of you might be my relatives that are pretty much obligated to hear me out. Either way, thanks for joining. This is What's for Dinner. Okay, this was the introduction to my podcast, What's for Dinner. Uh, I'd just like to start with a big thanks to my good friends for lending your ears during the very rough initial drafts of these episodes and for likely your continued feedback. A huge thanks to Wesley Nichols and Patchwork Symphony for providing the awesome music featured in the podcast. To find out more about their music, visit their Facebook page at facebook.com slash patchworksymphony. You can also stream and download their music at soundcloud.com slash patchworksymphony. If you'd like to have your music featured on future What's For Dinner episodes, or if you'd like to contribute in another way, let me know. You can email me at whatsfordinnermargoe at gmail.com.